Hi, it's Jamie, progressive number one, number two employee. Leave a message at the... Hey, Jamie, it's me, Jamie. This is your daily pep talk. I know it's been rough going ever since people found out about your acapella group, Mad Harmony, but you will bounce back. I mean, you're the guy always helping people find coverage options with the Name Your Price tool. It should be you giving me the pep talk. Now get out there, hit that high note, and take Mad Harmony all the way to nationals this year! Sorry, this is pitchy. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. What are we going to do as a church? Our souls need to wake up. We need to respond to the gospel of Jesus. He said, go into the world! We don't want to deal with reality, Christian. We don't even want to deal with reality even though we've been saved from this place. I'm calling on you today in the name of Jesus to rise up to the call of God. Christ is coming back soon. If I start telling people about hell, I might just scare them off. Where are you going to scare them off to? Hell number two? People stop and think about it. If hell really exists, and it does, I didn't say that Jesus did, then don't you think people need to know about it? Can't you at least give them a fighting chance? Or are you just going to sit there and let them burn? Hey, welcome to Don't Let Them Burn. My name is Chris. And this is Rory. And welcome to our show. Tonight we have a guest pastor, Brian Kinning, and we're going to be talking about current events, the culture, and biblical prophecy. But in the meantime, you can check us out on DontLetThemBurn.com. You can also check us out on Facebook, Twitter, Tumblr, Instagram, vid.me, scene.life. But most importantly, check us out on YouTube and go through our archives. We have many great messages. We have a lot of guests that we've been having on recently. And uh, thanks for everybody's support. Our channel is growing pretty fast. We just want to get the gospel out and other pertinent information. I also want to tell you that we've been doing movie reviews. We've got three up right now. And these aren't your typical movie reviews. These are basically to show you all the subliminal stuff that's in there just so you can have an understanding that you and your family are under attack continuously. And there's so many hidden deceptions. And so we, we talk about that. And, and also we, we're going to start doing some commentaries on some TV shows. So without further ado, we're just going to bring in our guest and we're going to get this thing rolling. Mr. Kenny? Yes, I'm here. Yes, sir. So where would you like to start? One second, Pastor Kenny, how are you doing? I First am doing all, fine. Praise the Lord. Could you, before we get started, um, let, let's just have a word of prayer. And could you lead us, Pastor? Absolutely. Dear Heavenly Father, we come before you in the name of our Savior, Jesus Christ of Nazareth. First of all, Father, we give thanks unto you for stepping down from eternity, becoming a man, and paying a penalty, Lord, that we ourselves, Lord, could never have paid because we were never good enough. We were never righteous enough. There's not a work that we could have performed. It took Jesus Christ himself to sacrifice himself for us, and we thank you for that, Lord. We praise and thank you, Lord God, for the benefits that we receive when we accept you as our Lord and Savior. First off, Father, we thank you because we are given direct access unto you. We praise and thank you, Lord, because you don't look at our sin, you look at Jesus, and we thank you, Father, because you alone has taken our responsibility of maintaining us so that we can have a guaranteed ticket in the, in the new Jerusalem. And we thank you, Lord. And we ask you, Father, that you will bless this 
the program that's being conducted tonight, Lada, that you would touch the listeners, that their hearts will be blessed, that they can receive something, Lord, that will allow them to be a powerful light for Christ as they walk upon this earth, that they can compel and draw men unto you. Father, I just ask you to use each and every single one of us as an instrument and tool to do your will and not our own. We just praise and thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 And so, um, Pastor McKinney, you want to tell everybody about yourself before we get into the real heavy stuff? Yeah. Uh, basically, I came to the Lord right after the 1984 Olympics. And during that time, prior to that, I had been involved in commonly called the day the New Age movement. I was somewhat involved, somewhat involved in the occult, especially what we call Eastern mysticism. And so my journey has been one that has really uh, helped me to look into these different avenues, these different teachings. And I developed a strong interest in primarily two areas. One is what we call eschatology, and the other is in an area that we call apologetics. And over the years, I've been able to discover some patterns, which I think we'd like to share a little bit about uh, as we uh, get into the program today. So basically, um, I've pastored a small church in Compton for uh, several years, and then I was uh, diagnosed with pancreatic cancer. I spent some time in the hospital. The Lord blessed me. I had a major 13-hour surgery. It's been successful. This was back in 2013. I've been cancer-free ever since. You know, a lot of people, when I tell them that I have pancreatic cancer, they look at me and say, well, you know, you look more vibrant. Most people that I know that get that particular disease, they deteriorate pretty quickly. But I will share one other testimony. When I went to see my oncologist right after the surgery, the nurse came into the room, and she first came in, and she was starting to say things like, well, you know, we can schedule you for chemo, and we have different drugs. But then she kept looking at my chart, and she kept saying, oh. And then she just kept saying, oh, over and over again. Then she said, i got to go talk to the oncologist himself. So she left the room. Then the oncologist came into the room, and this, was, this is exactly what he did. He threw up his hands and said, praise God, do you know what you had? You have the same wow. cancer that Steve, I think it was Steve Jobs had. Uh, yeah, Jobs. Yeah, Jobs. From, uh, Steve Jobs. Apple. That's right. He said you had the same thing that he had. And he said you, he said that your, your uh, surgeon did a phenomenal job. There's, there is no sign of cancer in you. Praise the Lord. And it's interesting because while I was in the hospital, I just had this deep thing that came over me to where I just heard, like, I believed it was the voice. I really believed it was the voice of the Lord. But, you know, when you're in the hospital, they got IVs in you. And mm-hmm. sometimes there's stuff under my IVs. I found out later they had put a little morphine in it, even though I kept telling them I wasn't in pain. They didn't believe me. But anyway, I just heard this voice to say, get it cut out of you and you'll be okay. And that was before I even knew about the surgery, before I knew anything that about even what the full diagnosis was going to be. And Wow. They then told me that they recommended the surgery, and while I was sitting in my room one night, I have a surgeon that uh, was given me by the hospital, but the insurance company, they sent another one 
to monitor him because I guess they want to make sure the insurance company is going to not pay for something they're not supposed to pay for. But it was about almost 12.30 in the morning. The representative for the insurance company came into my room, and he said, I just want to talk to you. And he said, the owner of this company, as rich as he is, had the exact same cancer that you have. And he said he decided that he was going to uh, uh, cure himself through natural means. He said after he went about a year, he realized it wasn't going to work, and then he finally had the surgery, but then it was too late. And I'm just telling you this because I want to make sure that you go ahead and do this surgery. And I had already decided because I had heard the voice, so that was like confirmation. And it was about 13 hours. It was a long surgery. But praise God, here I am. Amen. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Amen. Good testimony. Wow. Okay, so you've been through many things. Right now you pastor at, uh, in Vegas. Well, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm the Sunday school teacher. We have a, a senior pastor, um, Billy, Billy Crone. Correct, yes. And I've sat in a lot of your teachings, and you go pretty much very deep. I guess we can get some of that tonight. So where would you like to start? Well, I'm going to start with something that I have been looking into for a long time. And basically, this really, the title comes from the book of Romans, that first chapter. When you get around around verse 20 and beyond that, Romans speaks about something that they call the reprobate mind. And that term and the teachings from Romans has been something that I have been really looking into, contemplating about, studying the word, looking at our culture and society, and it has a tremendous impact to me. Now, one of the things that I learned in my college days is that at any given time in any culture and society, there are different groups of people who have what they call a worldview or a paradigm, and they're competing to become the major paradigm of the culture and society. If you study the history of the United States, we all know that the country is flawed. We all know that the country has uh, done some disgusting things. But we also know this country has done some great things. But the one thing that set this nation apart from any other nation on the earth except one is that in its very founding documents and its very founding philosophies, this nation had the audacity to say that we are endowed by our creator with certain inalienable rights. And all through the growth of this nation, the word of God has played an extremely important part. Every courtroom had the Ten Commandments in it. If you go to the state capitol, you're going to see scriptures engraved all across those statues and paintings and things that represent the founding of this nation. You can go through the teachings of the early fathers, and you're going to see that they had a tremendous in-depth understanding of the Word of God. The very governmental structure that we have is based upon a biblical principle that we as human beings are basically sinners. And therefore, they knew that they had to have a system of checks and balances because if you allow 
a human being to run free without something to hold them to a standard, their sin nature would run rampant. There was a famous French philosopher who came to America because he wanted to find out what was the key to America's success. And what impressed him was that he discovered that the key to America's success was that, and as he said in his own words, he said, America is good. And what he really was saying is that despite the flaws, despite the things that they did as a nation that were wrong, whether slavery or you name it, the core of this nation believed in the word of God. The core of this nation adjusted itself over and over again to try and to make the teachings of the Bible dominant in our culture. One of the first textbooks that was actually approved by Congress for every school in America was the Bible. Now, many of us today don't even know that the Bible was a textbook of required reading for everyone, and it didn't matter if you were a Christian, a Jew, a Muslim, a Buddhist, or whatever, you still had to read the Bible. There was a point in time where you look at because I know one of the things you talk about is the movie industry. The movie industry had a code of ethics at one point by which they would not cross in making movies. The dominant paradigm of this nation, that doesn't mean there weren't others competing, trying to control, but the predominant paradigm was the Judeo-Christian mindset. And so you look at today, you wonder, well, what happened? And that was something that has perplexed me for many, many years. And as I began to do my research, I ran across a trial that took place in the 1930s. Most of us have heard of it. It's called the Scopes. Uh, Some call it the Scopes Monkey Trial. There's been at least two movies that were made based upon this trial. In essence, this was a trial where you had a teacher by the name of Scope who wanted to teach evolution. At this point in time, still in the 1930s, it was the position of every school in America is that the Bible version of creationism was true and everything else false. So he wanted to teach this, and so there was a huge trial that took place. William Jennings Bryant, brilliant orator, represented the position of evolution. Uh, William Jennings Bryant represented the Bible version and uh, Scopes and his attorneys, the evolution, Darwinian teaching. This trial had the whole nation riveted. They didn't have TV at that time, but everybody across the nation, this trial touch people in a very profound way, and they listened intently to this trial. It was broadcast over the radio. One of the things that I began to realize is I've gone over the transcripts of this trial several times. I even, uh, one time in a Sunday school, well, in a Sunday school class, I had my students actually reenact the trial. William Jennings Bryan won the trial but he lost in the school of public opinion. In fact, it was a devastating blow to the churches. Part of the problem is that the church, 
became so lackadaisical in its responsibility to teach our children and to be a powerful witness because it was like everybody was already a Christian. We don't understand that today. Perhaps the best way to illustrate this, those of us who were raised in a black community, not so much now, but I'm talking about in prior days, almost everybody was a believer. I had an instructor once, and and I remember his name was uh, Mr. Wyatt, and I was at the L.A. Bible Training School. And he was one that loved to witness, even though my class was not on witnessing. It was on um, setting up an educational system for uh, churches, but he loved to witness. And he was explaining how when he would go into the black community to witness, it was totally different than when he went. And we're talking right now in the early 90s, but he was saying it was much different. He said, when I go into your community, it seems like everybody I talk to, everybody is saying they believe in the word of God. Well, you know, they, they, they were raised in the church. He says, you go in my community, and everybody is a non-believer or an atheist. And he said, it's just a totally different atmosphere. Well, hmm. that kind of illustrates kind of the mindset that w- took place in this nation in the 30s, even in the 40s, 50s, and, and, and prior, is that pretty much everybody was a believer. You talked to someone, and everybody was a believer. So the church's witnessing in America became very weak. This is my theory. Now, I'm giving you my theory because I've been thinking about this for a long time because there are certain scriptures like the gates of hell shall not prevail, that God will do exceedingly abundantly above all that we could ever ask or think, and it's just the power of the church. What, what happened was a, something that bothered me for a long time. So as we began to progress from that time, this trial hit a stunning blow to the church. So we're already in a situation where the church is somewhat apathetic. They're not fulfilling their responsibility. And now, all of a sudden, this new thing called science, and this is actually, I believe, is the Darwin, was I consider him not the father just of evolution, but the father of the religion of scientism, which is another discussion in itself. But the church began to back away even further. And still the church abdicated the responsibility of teaching their children to the government, but then they didn't went another they went another step further. Now according to some research that I did, there's a gentleman named um can't remember his name at the moment, but he's done a lot of research as to the church and politics way back in the eighteen hundreds, um, nineteen hundreds, and the church's involvement in the political arena was much, much greater than it is today. Totally different. And in that around that nineteen thirty, around forty, fifty in that period of time, the church began to really back away even more. So we had two things happening simultaneously. The church abdicating its responsibility to teach our young and the church getting a different attitude about its role as far as politics. It was a point in time in this country where if you're going to be a politician, it was just automatically assumed you had to be a Christian. There was just no if, ands, and buts about it. That's totally changed. Hmm. I, I understand clearly what you're saying, and, and I agree. 
you know, uh, that's why it talks about in the book of Jude um, that we as Christians, we should contend for the faith that was delivered to us because the Bible talks about men who have came in or crept in on the weirs. And a lot of times, and I agree with you, a lot of times when we look at the church, I think we as believers are not studying the word. And you also said that study God's word for ourselves. And that's how we get tricked. Now I'm going to agree with you, but I'm going to say James said, be ye doers and not hearers only. Absolutely. That term doers goes much further than I believe even the churches as a general, I mean, there's certain specific churches different, but it's teaching today. It, it, it's your responsibility to be effective in the culture and society. And, I'll, and I'll, this nation is a little different, and, and I'll kind of bring that in a little later on. But this is a little bit different nation because we hire our politicians. We hire and fire them. It's not like it was in the days of the apostles where there was a king or as it was in Europe when there were kings. And this nation is, was found a little bit different. So our responsibility uh, when it comes to those who are in charge is even greater, in my opinion. Okay? But I want to kind of go Absolutely. back. You were talking about how these deceivers creep in. Well, in the early days of our – well, actually, it's not even early. We're kind of we're talking – after the 30s, there was this gentleman by the name of John Dewey. He's not the founder of the Dewey Decimal System, but he became in charge of our public school system. He was an atheist. In fact, he was a humanist. He was one of the original uh, writers of a humanist manifesto, and he was put in charge of educating our children. How is it that a Christian nation would pick a person like John Dewey to be in charge of educating our children. The only way that can happen is for the church to be asleep. One of the reasons I believe he focused in the colleges is because parents were still really involved with their children in the grade schools and high schools. They were very much involved. We hadn't got to a point to where uh, families were really being pulled away from their children for lots of different reasons. One big one is it became it's becoming increasingly more difficult to earn what we call a living wage, and so parents were spending more and more time working and less and less time being involved, and a lot mm. of other factors involved as well. And the same, and, and that, so as you, they, they start in the, in the colleges, and next thing you know today, what about all the, remember, all the colleges were founded by churches. Yeah. All the main big universities were founded by churches. Almost, not, pretty much almost every single one of them, there, there are a few exceptions, are now cesspools of demonic teachings. Absolutely. Because they allowed these educators to come in and start teaching. And then things began to change because these people are starting to become leaders. So now you're having people who are being trained to think in a way that is totally the antithesis of the Bible. In fact, this is going to explain a lot of stuff that you see today, and as we begin to get more in our discussion, I'll try and bring it out more. But Proverbs says, 
that a fool says in his heart there is no God. One of the things that I determined is that intelligence has nothing to do with being a fool. You can be extremely creative, extremely intelligent, and you can be an intelligently creative fool. And that gets back to Romans when he starts talking about the mindset of this reprobate mind because that mindset is incapable of being wise. In fact, this mind calls wisdom foolish and foolishness wise. That's when you go in there and tell this. It's how that reprobate mind works. So as we begin to move through our culture and society, we find the Bible being removed from schools. Then the 60s prayer was removed from schools. And then we began to see Christian symbols being removed. And then you start hearing people wanting to get the Ten Commandments out of courtrooms. And you start seeing the crosses being removed. And you start seeing all, it's just a slowly but surely a progressive attack gets everything that represents the word of God. And where was the church? See, the church gets outraged when something major and big happens, but the problem is it's these little things. It's these little things that we just let it pass us by. Yeah. We don't even pay any attention. And so over and we look up one day and all of a sudden you're seeing a nation that is adamantly fiercely against the Bible being taught in the school. I remember I was watching one of the major news channels, and there were was a debate going on between someone who was involved in the educational system and another person who was a believer. And the person that was involved in the educational system got extremely angry because the other person was suggesting not that they teach the Bible, but they just simply teach that the concept of creationism, and you have to understand that when they say creationism, they don't necessarily have to be the word of God, okay? It could be an alien that came in and created as long as something, but, but that's not where I want to go right now. But the argument was he didn't even want the two ideas taught side by side. Because he said any attempt to create to teach creationism was nothing but a thinly veiled attempt to teach the word of God. And we cannot have the word of God. I'll be angry. We cannot have that taught in our public schools. Now, this was in the late 90s, early 2000s, that I saw uh, this, this uh, argument on TV. We progressed a long ways. It, well, slowly at first, mm-hmm. now rapidly. Because a lot of people, they look at things like, okay, uh, Obama signed that presidential resolution declaring Gay Pride Month. Not Gay Pride Day, but Gay Pride Month. Yeah. There was some outrage, and the rage went for a minute, and now nobody even thinks about it. (laughs) I remember just before I moved from California to Nevada, shortly after that, Governor Brown signed a bill authorizing the state to have gender, not I can't remember the term, but this has to deal with the gender identity bathrooms where you can declare your gender and go to any bathroom that yeah, you want. Right, gender-neutral bathrooms. Yeah, well, it, it, and they were, they did this long before it became a national issue. It didn't become a national issue, but California did this a long time ago. And I told some of my pastor friends, if anybody, because in the black community, you know, Christians vote for Democrats who support some crazy stuff. 
But because they were all up, upset, and I said, you know, if anybody that voted for Governor Brown, they need to shut their mouth because he told you what he was going to do. The former president did the same thing. He told exactly. everybody what he was going to do. Exactly true. There is uh, some of the things that comes to mind where I will I agree with you. I think Christians on a whole have been ill-informed or duped. I read before where it says in the Bible where it says in, in Jude that we are to contend for the faith. It talks about men who have crept in unawares. And the Bible also warns us that we are to test every spirit. And one of the things that I see happening quite frequently is that we see that politicians continually go into the church. Politicians come into the church, and they are the ones that are out there that are swaying the people, and the people are not checking the word of God and using the word of God as the sieve or the litmus test. Let us see what God's words say. We're not going to listen to what you say, but let us look at what the word of God says about this particular um, thing that we're talking about. So we see the same thing with same-sex marriage, homosexuality, whatever you want to call All of these different things that are coming today, we see it. You said that our founding fathers, they were Christians. I don't think all our founding fathers were necessarily Christians, in my view, based on what and, I and see. And I was going to point that out. I didn't say that they were fine. I said that they had okay. a strong biblical okay. worldview. They, they, had a, they had a strong worldview. And when, when you look at some of the things that were done, for instance, yes, the Bible was, was crucial at one point in history, and and. and People today, they don't know that. Like you said, the reading of the Bible was standard curriculum in every public school across the nation. We have gone away from that. Most of the Ivy League schools that you talked about, they were Christian schools. They were founded on Christian principles. And we have these same schools that are fighting against the Christians today. Uh, uh, I'm going to take it a step further because, like you said, everybody wasn't a Christian. But if you read some of the writings of deists and some of the non-people who didn't really accept the Word of God fully, they understood more about what the Word of God teaches than the average person in the church today. They had a more profound respect for the biblical doctrines and principles, and they weren't even really believers. Some of them were deists than the people who are born again, died in the world, believers today. Just read some of their writings. Some of them were lodgemen. No, a lot of them were lodgemen. But see, even though you have the, the, the Masonic teachings there, it wasn't dominating the culture. Right. Absolutely. I, I, that's why I keep saying that there are a lot of competing paradigms, ideologies. Buddhism was still there. Um, yep. The lodge was very strong. It had a lot of influence. The Illuminati had influence. If you want to go into the conspiracy things, the Rothschilds, and they were, I can, you can go trace, uh, especially under the Woodrow Wilson administration, where the Warburgs from Germany were able to come into our nation and get the UN uh, approved in the lame duck session. I mean, we can go on and on and on about those right. types of things, but they didn't dominate. They influenced right. strongly. Mm-hmm. They, 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 did, they weren't really a part of the everyday man and woman's life. The church became, uh, this is my opinion now, I'm not 
don't say, I'm not saying this is what happened, but based on my research, I believe the churches became lazy. It kind of like got used to it being easy. And so it allowed stuff to happen, flaring up every now and then. When I first became saved and I was hearing the messages, nobody ever even mentioned. It was years before I found out that the Bible was the primary textbook in the public Mm -hmm. school system. I mean, it was years and years and years before I found that out. Only thing I knew was that they took out prayer. I didn't think the Bible was ever a part of the school system. Hmm. Then I had to go back and ask my dad and some older people, and I found out that that was true. You know, I, I knew about the Macduff readers and all that, but I didn't know about the Bible, and that impacted me greatly. As you mentioned, I remember politicians coming to the church to state there what they're going to do, and it's always about what we're going to do for the community. I've gotten to a point where I want to know what's your walk with Christ. Exactly. Okay. What do you? How do you believe in the? What, what, how, how much do you believe in the Word of God? Are you in Bible study? Do you study the Word? Do you have a fruits that I can examine some fruits? Because your what comes out of your mouth don't mean anything to me anymore. But during the early days, I didn't know. You know, a lot of things I've learned over years. Yeah. Of watching, studying going back to the word, speaking to people, being totally confused about a lot of things. Even when people thought I had it together, I'm still confused. I just don't talk about everything because <laughs> it, I, I couldn't. There was just things that I saw the church doing just made no sense to me, especially, and I hate to say it, in the black community. <laughs> that, was, that, used, that, used to, that used to, you have no idea how that used to really bug me. How is it? that you could have a whole community of people that literally proclaimed a profound love for the word of God. Mm. You could have ministers that could preach some of the most dynamic, uh, inspirational sermons. And notice that I said inspirational purpose sermons. It, it led me into a study of what we call eisegesis and exegesis. And I was to a point where I had to mm-hmm. preach the message on it because it, these are things that were bothering me. So, how could you do this and still uh, support a party that is against everything you're preaching? I literally went and got a copy of the Democratic platform, put it side by side the Republican platform, and I said, you know, I, I know that both sides do bad stuff, but this is their stated platform. One is saying we want to support and promote gays. The other one is saying that we believe that Marriage is still between a man and a woman. One is saying that uh, we want to fund abortion and kill babies. The other is saying, no, we believe that sanctity. I mean, these are their official platforms. And still they're saying, well, I want to vote as a Democrat. I say you don't make sense. You have vouchers, okay? You already know the schools are bad. I mean, in Compton, where I was from, some of the schools were war zones. I'm serious, war zones. And... You want to keep your kid in this school? Are you crazy? Here you are having the opportunity to fight for vouchers that will allow you to take your child to any school that you want, and you're saying no because the NEA, is the National Teachers Education Association, is telling you that if vouchers were approved, that school that is a war zone would become a ghost town? You should be jumping up and down for joy. And I couldn't figure itself out like that. It's just, it's just to drive me crazy. 
But, you know, what you're saying there, absolutely right. I'm going to even go a step further. We are looking at people now in church and they're saying, oh, my goodness, how could this have happened? We have never seen this happen in America. We are same-sex marriage has now come to be legal. You know, we, we have to pray. But they were the same ones that voted for it. They were the exactly. same ones that said, yes, that's the person we want in office. Um, so I'm not alarmed. And when I say this to people, they get upset. I said the same people who profess to be Christians voted for that. I remember talking to one person in particular, and the person said to me, you have to vote for the lesser of two evils. My answer to the person was, well, evil is evil. So there, there, there's no lesser or, or anything like that. I said, once it's evil, it's evil. There's no difference. And the, they looked at me like I was crazy when I said that. But it's true. How could you and some of these people are supposed to be close friends? They go to church. The one person Absolutely. is a minister. It's a minister of the gospel. How could you vote for someone or something? that is diametrically opposed to the word of the living God. You see, this is what we're supposed to do. We have to, like you said, my brother, we have to test the spirit, one. Two, we have to stand up and say, no. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Mm-hmm. And that's where we have, and, and this is where we're going to have to turn. We, you know, some people out there, they draw a line in the sand. I'm not drawing any line. I'm using the word. The word is the line. The word is the, the word of truth. That's my banner. And that's what I stand for. Because we see that everything else that we will, we're doing, everything else that we have done, all the accomplishments, all the accolades will mean nothing. Haven't you ever heard of the establishment clause? You know, the separation of church and state? Yeah. That you as a, the Christians and especially the church is not supposed to really be involved in politics. They're supposed to kind of back away from that issue. After all, they might take away your 501c3 status. What are you going to do? Oh. There's so many people that don't understand that's not even a real, you know, document that the separation well, of church and of all, state. It's a letter that was written, and it had nothing to do with the church being out of the business of the state. It had to do with the state being out of the business of the church. The other thing that most people don't, churches don't understand, is that remember I said this country was founded on biblical principles. One of the things that the founding doctors did is that a church automatically has on the federal level a 501c3 status, and there ain't nothing short of a, that's not even true anymore. I was going to say a constitutional amendment, but now they can change the constitution through the court systems. You know, they don't need to have a, a constitutional amendments. But if you were to, if a church were to write the IRS and say, I want to apply for a 501c3 status, the IRS will write you back and say, you don't have to. You automatically have one. Now, that's not on the state level. I'm talking about the federal level. So every church that's organized as a church, and the IRS has some standards to test you as a church, but they're very wide. 
you don't lose your 501c3 status. You can, you can lose if you apply for one, which some ministries do because there are big organizations out there that don't want to donate money to your ministries unless you can show them an exemption letter from the federal government. That has nothing to do with your 501c3 status. And even if you did lose it, who cares? As long as you teach the word of the Lord. Exactly. And then, so you have to pay a little. You have to pay a little bit more in taxes, okay? Because you're paying some anyway. You just have to pay a little more. And the taxes that you're paying are still on the state level. And all they do is they give you a little bit less property tax free. Well, I'm I'm, I'm talking California. I don't know about Nevada, but you get a little bit less on your property tax fees. You still got to pay all the assessments. So you're still paying fees. You just pay a little more, just like paying rent, utilities, and everything else. But this concept of the church, it has churches, even churches that are really not 100% fair, they kind of still back away. I mean, yeah, think, how, how often have you heard any church literally get up and talk about the politicians? Some of the more bold ones do it in a roundabout way. No one just goes up and say, look, this guy has a track record as a liar. And you know what the Bible says about liars? Well, this this guy, he he's not a he doesn't he doesn't show. This is the fruit that he establishes. Here's their record. We know we're supposed to look at people's fruit. We don't do that anymore. That used to be something that churches did. Churches would advocate pick a candidate and advocate for that candidate. We don't do that anymore. And it's not just in the political arena, but when you look at the boardrooms of corporate America. Corporate America used to be run by Christian men and women. It used to be a handshake had more impact than a contract. Nobody starved when I was a kid and everything was closed on Sunday. Not a single person starved or felt deprived. Even most of the gas stations were closed. You just learned to put gas in your car on Saturday. Everything is changing. Yes. New paradigm. And we've gotten to the point now to where I personally believe that the United States is under a judgment. If you read Romans, that like I said, that last half, and you keep going thoroughly, that reprobate mind is a judgment against a nation right. that turns its back against God. Hmm. Romans Absolutely. 1. Romans chapter 1, from about verse 20 on, it describes the characteristics. See, most people, when they think of the reprobate mind, they think of homosexuality. That's just one symptom. Exactly. The biggest symptom to me is inability to think clearly, inability to make logical, cogent, reasonable decisions. Mm-hmm. And that's what we're seeing today. That's what you're seeing today, all yeah. across the nation. Yeah. You know how I put it? I put it like this. You know, in, in poor communities, when you go inside the kitchen at night, you turn on the lights, the roaches run. Well, this time you're walking into the kitchen, you turn on the lights, but the roaches are coming out. I will remember that analogy. <laughs> yeah. I have to interject with it to you. When you talk about roaches, you know, I used to make a living by buying old houses and refi- and fixing them up. And roaches, especially in the company area, was a big issue. But one house that I had to fix up took the cake. Mm-hmm. I mean, when I went into that house, I bought it. When I went in, the roaches were jumping out the doors. I went in the kitchen, and I pulled out the drawer, and I saw this black wall. And I looked closer. It was wow. black because it was just full of roaches. 
You could smell the stench. The roaches were so heavy. Wow. I got rid of every roach because you do learn how to get rid of roaches when you work in that area, but I'll never forget to do it. And that's the first thing that came to my mind when you gave him out. <laughs> yeah, I mean, we're looking at from uh, progressive liberals to Satanists, you name it. Everyone's just coming out of yep. the woodworks proclaiming what they want to proclaim. Uh, the other day, a group of protesters went in front of a Catholic church. Now, none of us here are Catholic, but what they did is do a mock abortion in front of there. They had a person just like uh, Mary, and they pulled a fake baby from underneath her or him or whatever, right? And just to see this, it's like, this is just horrible. And it's like, we need to pray for these people. That's where we are. But think about it. I just saw, I was watching the news, and I can't even remember the name of the college, but they had to, re- they wanted to remove the scales. I mean, just basic scales to just down and weigh yourself from the gyms because they said they were triggers that caused a bad emotional response in the children. So we got to get rid of those scales. Wow. They're just going from one thing to the next thing to the next thing. It's it's Mm -hmm. just like do what thou wilt all over the place. Yeah. All over the place. And see, I I hate to say it, but I actually hold the churches. I personally think it's the fault of the churches in America. I agree. And the hope for the nation is the churches in America. Because one day there's going to be the great snatch, and there won't be no churches anywhere hmm. on the planet. Yeah. And we're going to have to give an account to God for what we did. Exactly. And Ain't those it. of us in America, see, see, some some Christians are going to be able to say, well, we couldn't fire our leaders, but they, they go, the Christians from America are not going to be able to say that. Hmm. And the thing is, when you when you talk to some Christians that you, you know they you know they're actually saved, you know what they they really believe. But their minds somehow are gone somewhere else when you talk to them. And it's like the light switch just turns off and they want to just go the other way. When you tell them the truth, yeah. it's just weird to me. Especially when they're your family member. Tell me about it. They perfectly style Christians until you get to certain subjects and then it's like a blank wall yeah. comes up. And and here's the thing, right? It's not like I spent, I don't have a PhD uh, or anything in, in, in theology or economics or whatever. I just know this is wrong, that is wrong, this is what the Bible says, and that over there is wrong. And why are we mm-hmm. going towards these things? Why are, we, why are we accepting these things? Why are we indulging in these things and an approving of the people that do it? Just like I think it's Thessalonians that talk about that or Ephesians. Mm-hmm. You know, it really comes to mind last night in Bible study, remember what Pastor Billy said? He said that before he got saved, he believed in abortion, okay? Mm-hmm. After he got saved, he knew it was wrong. He said nobody had to teach him. He didn't mm-hmm. have to study the Bible. He didn't have to go through no lessons. He instantly knew it was wrong. He said instantly, too. He just knew it was wrong. Yeah, instantly. It didn't take any, you know. So it, The Holy it, Spirit it, taught him. Exactly. Yeah. But sometimes you can close your mind. You can be saved, but you can close your mind to certain teachings that the Holy Spirit is trying to bring to you because you just got this strong emotional attachment that you can't let go of. There you go. You hit it on the head. Emotional. Yeah. To a point of hysteria in some folks. You know, it's funny thing you mentioned that because that's when I started to grow as a Christian, when I started to let go of my emotions about certain things, even things I knew that were right. 
but I was trying to force the issue too much. I let go of my emotions and just said, okay, just relax about it. Mm-hmm. And let the, the, the spirit work on me to be able to, to engage with people. Yeah, and see, I'm, I'm not going to go into another tangent, but one of the, my little peeves that I have about a lot of churches is they put too much emphasis on feeling and experience. <laughs> not enough emphasis on thinking. You know why I'm laughing, right? I can imagine. Oh, boy. Um, Because people, they can use their senses to sense the Holy Spirit. That's number one. God is not limited to just things of that nature. He's God. He's he's mighty. And we are the ones that keep diminishing or, or putting God down that he has to only operate based off of what we have learned or what we think we know of him. So we automatically put him in a box. That's not the God that I serve. He says, I'm able to do exceedingly abundantly all we can ask or think. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And another thing that Proverbs says is that with all you're getting, get understanding. Right. Wisdom is a principal thing, right? I think it is. When it says, be ye not transformed, it said, but be ye conformed, by the renewing of your mind. If you go through the scriptures, you will find that we are told to think and use the ability to reason that God gave us over and over again, far more so, okay, than we are to rely on emotional feelings and so-called miracles. Amen. Peter said that we do not follow carefully Devise fables. And that's where that phrase apologia was coined, but he was talking about each person needs to be ready to give a defense. But you can't defend the word of God through emotionalism. You have to be able to think. You have to be able to give cogent, reasonable thoughts. And too often, faith is considered as being blind emotionalism. It's not. Yeah. Absolutely. That's why we're we're told to contemplate, to think about what the Word of God says. It says meditate on it day and night. It means mm-hmm. to think and contemplate as to what it says. We're to think about this often, yeah. day and night. You, you know what's inter- interesting that's going on out there? Um, this just happened uh, a couple of days ago. So we had Snoop Dogg do a, a music video, and in the video he points a gun at a, a person that looks like Donald Trump. And he mm-hmm, I saw that. shoots, right? But now then Donald Trump comes out and says, well, if this was done to Obama, somebody would be looking at jail time, right? And then from there, you have Snoop Dogg, I think nephew, uh, Bow Wow, the has-been, comes out and says that Donald Trump needs to shut up before we come and pimp out, I think, his daughter. You see this whole hip-hop generation. You see the roaches came out. Well, yeah, roll back ahead. the clock a little bit. Go all the way back to George W. Bush. Mm-hmm. Do you remember the response that he got because he said that his the most important person in his life was Jesus Christ? No, From that no, point on, they called him stupid. They called him ignorant. They said he didn't know what he yeah. was doing. He became hated because he was he is a now. I don't. I, I think I, I, my understanding is that he in the replacement theology, but he's a devout, strong believer in the Word. Mm. The replacement theology explains some things because I had some issues with some of the things he did, but they vilified him even afterwards 
the whole time of the Obama administration, they demonified George W. Bush. Donald Trump would not have been my pick because his fruit, especially in those primaries, didn't line up to what I considered a man of God should, or someone who believed in the word of God should, should line up to. But I have it from some fairly reliable sources that he did give his life to Christ during that right. process. Yeah. Whether he has or not, I don't know. But I do know he boldly proclaims that we are a Christian nation, which is the exact opposite of what Obama did. He boldly claimed Mike Pence gets up and prays in the name of Jesus in public, okay? Mm-hmm. And yeah. the hate against him is just beyond imagining. <laughs> now, some of it he brings upon himself, but the degree of what is coming to onslaught against him is unprecedented in the history of this nation. Yeah. Absolutely. And I don't think it's because they really think he's going to send us over the edge of the nuclear war. I think it's because he had the audacity to keep saying that we're a Christian nation again and that he's going to yep. do positive things for the church. And he's going to, and then they got this Mike Pence who keeps, who, who actually almost seems to like he understands what the word of God says. Mm. <laughs> yeah. You know, I pray for these brothers. I pray, and the Bible calls, tells us that we should pray for our leaders. So I pray for, you know, President Obama when he was in office. And I still pray for this gentleman that's in office, President Donald Trump, because that's what the Word of God calls for us to do. The Word of God calls for us to pray, because God is the one who puts these people in power. I, we might not necessarily agree with them, but God is sitting on, on his throne, and he is going to do what he wants to do. And nothing is taking him by surprise. He's not surprised, or he's not alarmed to see what's going on in the world today. God is in control. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. And I, I agree with you, because I pray for them all. I, I even pray for Hillary and Nancy Pelosi and all of them. But I, my prayer for almost all the politicians are pretty much very similar. That one, they accept Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. Amen. Two, that they look and study the Word of God. And three, they take the biblical principles and doctrines and apply it into their decision-making process. Because yeah. a lot of folks get saved, but they don't study. And then though sometimes they study, they don't apply. <laughs> Good point. That's true. And we are in this just a really interesting time. So I know that you... You know, I teach a lot of Bible prophecy. So can we get get into some of that aspect and, you know, related to a lot of things that are going on? Yes, we can. Now, understand, my favorite area of Bible prophecy is fulfilled prophecy. The other one is current times, mm-hmm. not so much future events, which I am into, but I'm more into what the Bible said about the days in which we're living. Well, that's fine. And that, and actually, that's pretty much what we've been talking about this whole time. Right. Now, if we want to move into future events, we can sum it up real quick. Church is going to be removed. It's going to be a seven-day uh, tribulation, and it's going to be followed by a thousand years of somewhat peace, and Satan's going to be unleashed. There's going to be a major rebellion. God's going to crush the rebellion. Then there's going to be a major judgment. Uh, and folks are going to be sent into the lake of fire that don't that wasn't made for them, but they're going to go there with Satan. Those that receive Jesus Christ are going to be moved into the new Jerusalem. Some of us are going to get some rewards, and some others. Personally, I'll be happy to polish the gates and clean the toilets. <laughs> <laughs> 
I ain't been that great a person, but you know, I'll I'll take the menial jobs. I'll be happy. Amen. You guys can keep, Amen. Keep the big pounds. I'll I'll take the menial jobs as long as we get there, right? Amen. Mm-hmm. Amen. As long as we get there and bring some people with us. Absolutely. Amen. As yeah, long so. as we can share the word of God and snatch them from the fire. Well, we don't do the snatching. The Lord does that. We are just called to share his word. He said, if I, if I be lifted up, I'll draw all men unto himself. So all we got to do is just lift up the name of Jesus. There is no other name on the face of the earth that can do, that can redeem lives from destruction. Hallelujah. Absolutely. Thank you, Lord. Absolutely. I try to plant a few seeds. Throw some water on somebody else's seeds and add a little fertilizer and every now and then and praise the Lord when someone gets a harvest. Amen. Amen. Uh, well, one of the things, how do you feel as an individual or as a believer? Not only the things that you see going on here in the United States, the things that are going on around the world. We talk about we can act what we were just talking about is the falling away. The things people are falling away from from the scripture, they're not following, they're not adhering to the word of God like we are called to. Like you said um, earlier, the Laodicean church, how, you know, we are not following God's word. How do you share with your family members? How do you share with people around you what they should do? That's a good question because there's no one size fits all scenario. I have to look at my background, how I've been trained by the Holy Spirit and my experience, and that's how I I ask lots of questions. I often try to ask a question that makes a person think. I share scriptures, and it depends because there used to be a time where everybody had respect for the Word of God. Mm-hmm. So if you go to the Word of God and they respect the Word of God and you show them what the Word of God says it has impact, they're still people like that, and there's certain apostate groups that still have a respect for the Word of God. But when you're talking to someone that doesn't respect the Word of God and you say share a scripture with them, that has no impact because they're thinking you're sharing the scripture, you're sharing fables. Hmm. So that's why I have to kind of ask questions because I need to know who you're nowadays is more important than ever to know who you're talking to right? and to discover what it is, is there a hang-up? Do they, or do, they, do they have respect for the word? If they have respect for the word, then I can share. If they have no respect for the word, then, you know, do they have the ability to reason? I have this basic premise, whatever I'm trying to talk to someone or with, and that is that Satan is working overtime to keep them from seeing the light of Christ. Absolutely. So my Absolutely. fundamental goal is not to argue, even though I may argue, depending on the person, okay? Not to get in a debate, even though I may debate a person, depending on the person. But my goal is to get them to see even the tiniest light of Christ. Sometimes that's just being quiet and behaving a certain way, standing on a principle and not fudging. Sometimes it's being confrontational. Mm. And sometimes it's not. I can't give a one-size-fits-all answer. At least for me, it starts with questions. But that's me, because I have another friend of mine. I'm amazed at him. I have two friends of mine. They're both looking to do this. I can't do that. I, can, I don't care where I go. 
I guarantee you, before we leave, they're going to be able to engage someone into a conversation about <laughs> price. And it's going to be so natural and so smooth that you were like, how did they do that? Right. Some people are just gifted by the Lord. I have two friends that are like that. One knows the word real well, and the other one, he don't know it so well, but they both have that same gift. I don't have that gift. I wish I did. And so if even when I'm teaching on witnessing, I'm, I'm telling people you need to learn to speak in your own language, the way you speak around the people that you hang out with. Don't use Christianese because nowadays Christianese falls on deaf ears. Nobody even knows what you're talking about. You remember what I told you that I did when I was looking for a church home? Yeah, I remember. Yeah. What did you do? Because first thing to me and my wife did, we went and found several churches that were close to us. Then we narrowed them down to about three. Then I scheduled appointments with each of the pastors because I told them I need to interview because I'm going to join at one of these churches. And, and the reason I need to schedule an interview is because I need to talk to you because I can hear good sermons, but I still know a lot about you. You can preach good sermons for a year, and then the next year, all of a sudden, I'm starting hearing kind of strange stuff. So I need to really ask those specific questions. And one of the questions that was very important to me is for them to explain the gospel without using what I call Christianese. In other words, don't use cliches. I want you to explain the gospel and I want you to be able to do it concisely and quickly. And one of the reasons I wonder, because I know that if they can do that, that means they've been out there witnessing. They might not be doing as much now because of the responsibility as a pastor, but at some point in their Christian walk, they were out there engaging people. I only had one pastor that was actually able to do it to my satisfaction. That's why I'm at the church I'm at today. So I know for a fact he's been out there engaging people because you learn just like Paul when he was on Mars Hill, you know, he had to speak to the people based upon what they understood. He couldn't speak to them exactly. using Old Testament, quoting from the Old Testament. When he spoke to Jews, he could quote from the Old Testament. He could use them. But when he was speaking to those Greeks that never knew anything about what the Old Testament said, okay, he spoke to them about their philosophers. And you know, well, that's what he means by all things, all people. He doesn't mean that you compromise. What he means is you, you meet the person where they are. I mean, you got to learn to speak to them and what they understand. And so if you're not out there engaging, you don't get that kind of practice. Yeah. So, right. so for right. me, like I said, when it comes to trying to witness to my family, it depends on the situation and who I'm speaking to. Most of my close family, they're saved. They just into some type of apostasy one way or another. So my <laughs> with them sometimes is more on dealing with their theology, their, what, what, how they interpret it. Yeah. So we had an interesting conversation the other day. I'd like you to kind of like try to run down your understanding of how the entertainment that we're engulfed with impacts our culture and just related to how you know it. The way I look at the entertainment world, it still stems from what I discussed earlier about how there's been a change in the way or a change in our culture as to what is the dominant paradigm. Sunday, I made a statement because I'm going to use the gay agenda as a barometer because that's one of those movements that the reprobate mind embraces and idolizes. And you see that in our music, our movies, just about anything, everything in the entertainment world, you're seeing it to a degree that I would never have imagined as a kid. Heck, I never even would have imagined it 20 years ago. 
to what I'm seeing now. The entertainment world is really seems to have gone much further than any other aspect of our culture and has been doing so for a long time. Once again, uh, Disneyland is one of my examples of the progression. When I was a kid, Disneyland was very favorable to the Boy Scouts. They would even open up the park and we could go in free. Then later on, it became more. We had to pay a little bit. Then Walt Disney died and this other guy came in who was a gay guy. And next thing you know, Boy Scouts are not a really, they have no activities for Boy Scouts anymore. Progresses further, Boy Scouts are still fighting to maintain some integrity. Only a few months ago, or maybe last year, not even that, the Boy Scouts finally come out and say, well, if you claim you're a boy even though you're a girl, you can be a Boy Scout. Yeah. That is a indoctrination that comes from the entertainment world. And it's influencing the entire culture because the entertainment world is taking what I call doctrines of demons and homosexuality is just one of them. And they are normalizing it and glorifying it right. over and over again. You're seeing a theme in the movies where the gay person is the hero, the heroine, the strong leader has the compassion. Mm-hmm. You see either that or the feminist. Oh, it's definitely, most of the time, that's their favorite. When they can have a feminist who is gay, who's the leader, and empathizing with people, that's movie heaven. Yeah, we got one of the big ones coming. In the entertainment world, has been ignored by the church since Ozzie and Harriet started sleeping in the same bed. Mm. And all of a sudden, we were having in our movies, now long before we got to where we are now, the church should have been outraged and should have demanded during these days praying um, sex as being a wonderful, glorious experience of a sexual relationship before you got married that would make your marriage so much more wonderful and so much phenomenal. Hmm. And that was before the gay thing came in. Yeah. I didn't hear Anything, I hear, you know, maybe a church might preach a message against it, but just because you preach a message, what did you do? Did you demand, did you organize and demand of the entertainment industry? The entertainment industry figured, hey, we get away with that. We can get away with anything. I think I shared with you, Krista, my mother was an entertainer. She's from that industry. She was a singer. And an actress, she's made several major movies and things. And I remember going to Universal Studios uh, with her uh, when I was a child. And also one time after the 1965 riots, they did a movie called Come Back, Mr. Tibbs. I don't know if you remember that movie. Yeah. There's a riot mm-hmm. scene in that movie, and they needed rioters, so they drove through the streets of watch. I guess they thought we were professionals. And they picked up a bunch of us kids and took them to the studio. Paid us good salaries, too. They gave a friend of mine $200 just for laying on the ground playing like they took his picture, and then they didn't use it in the movie. But he didn't care. He got his 200 bucks. They fed us good, but I'm telling you, the homosexuals were blinking in your face on the studio. Nothing like it was in real life. It was like, I mean, I couldn't even describe what I was seeing. And this mm. was in the 60s. It was there. Yeah. 
but it needed public acceptance, and it needed the church's tolerance. And now yeah. it's everywhere. And another big problem is that our children spend more time in front of music, TV, yeah. than they do yeah. in front of their parents, definitely more time than they do in the church. And these messages are not subtle anymore. This is why we are here. And I know that those who, and I know people that really study this, they get in, they'll, they'll, they tell me about all the occult symbols that are being used in the entertainment industry and how certain people, not just in hip-hop, but in all these different areas of entertainment are deeply rooted in the occult and mm-hmm. was glorified and practiced, and it's just crazy. The Bible says to come out from among them, you know, not to be partakers with them. This is what we're supposed to be doing. We need to provide. See, there's some movies that, that a church proved. That this church, I can't remember the name of the first one they did, but it was about these firefighters, about the firefighters, firemen. Yeah. I can't remember the name. Fireproof. Then they did another one. Then these God is Not Dead series that are coming out. They're proving that the church can't compete with the entertainment industry if it really wanted to. Yeah. And people are looking for something different. I've talked to people that aren't saved, and they're disgusted by it too. You know, mm-hmm. so the church can still make an impact through the entertainment industry doing their own thing. Yeah. You know, I sometimes I'll be watching movies and I'll be saying, and I'll say to myself, I just wish somebody, just somebody, they don't even have to be the star of the show, would just stand up and say, I refuse to have sex until I get married because it's what I, I believe. I said, just, I want to hear somebody say that. Mm-hmm. I don't even hear anybody say it. But what you know what's funny, um, Mr. Kenny? What you just stated right there, I've stated certain things like that in front of Christians, and they looked at me like I was strange. So we have a problem in the church. And another thing is, I was going to say this earlier when you mentioned something else, is the church wants to be so relevant. We see the Bible, the Word of God is always relevant. You don't have to try. You don't have to, you know, convert to the culture and what the culture cultural norms are to be relevant. Jesus wasn't part of the culture is anti-culture out anti the the cultural you know thing that was going on at the time absolutely in fact christianity is anti-culture because it decides the world logic and reasoning that's why we're not to be conformed to it and if we don't focus on the word of god meditate on it study it and read it we will find ourselves conforming exactly absolutely but the lord is so powerful and right now we're living in a day where it's twenty four seven bombarding. Exactly. Absolutely. And that's what I was gonna say. Yeah, twenty four hour bombardment. But some people are saying, What are you talking about? Who is being bombarded? They can't even see it. And when you add this, now I will throw some prophecy things in. You take that and then you combine it with the increasing technology. Mm-hmm. Like the recent disclosure that they can like people already kind of knew this, that they can monitor you through your cell phone and your TV. Yeah. This is an accepted way of life. Where's the outcry? Well, the problem is, is that this technology is actually sin neutral. It's the people who control it. That's the problem. The technology has a lot of good, does a lot of good, saves a lot of lives, makes things convenient for a lot of people is creating this infrastructure and this potential for this 
world leader to come in and control the entire world. It's even providing a, a method right now for people who don't even have to be the Antichrist to come in and wreak havoc on people's lives. Hmm. But most people don't care. It's true. It's true. I've talked to some people about, you know, about prophecy issues and technology. And some of the reactions I get is, wow, I never really paid attention to that. I don't really see why I have to. Those are the type of comments you get. It's like, does the Bible not teach about this stuff? Chris, that's a point. And got a rare that I'm raised this one. Just back to the entertainment. Recently, there is a gospel artist that is lining themselves up, or gospel artists lining themselves up with secular artists to sing so-called Christian songs. That's bad. Well, wait, Rory. But one particular not, artist. No, I was going to say it's not the first time. Remember, no, I, know, well, Franklin, I know, but Franklin this started. was just done. Yes, that's what I'm talking about. This was done recently in a major event that they did. And this particular person wore tight and what seemed to be a skirt. I'm not talking about a kilt that they wear in Scotland. I'm talking about a skirt. And there are various interviews with this individual where he's saying, we need to be more welcoming for everybody to come into the church. And when I read my scripture, the God that I serve, he's not going to deviate from the things that he has set in place. And some people say, well, no, we're under grace, my brother. We're under grace. But, you know, I say to them, Ananias and Sapphira still died under grace. God is the same God yesterday, today, and forever. And I'm looking at these things, and I'm like, people, do you see what's going on? And then you take these same songs that these people uh, make, and you play them in your car. And what are you drawing into yourself? I need to ask you a question. Because see, somebody responds to me like that. I look confused because I'll be kind of saying, what is being under grace have to do with anything that I just said? They don't know what else so to you're say. Asking, so they'll say that. <laughs> but that's what, these are some of yeah, the, but see, the answers Remember I said I given. asked questions? But see, you, I, I would pursue that. Why? How do you come to that conclusion? What do you think grace is? Because right now, I'm, that's a confusing statement to me. It makes no sense. This was one, one of the things that he's, he said. He was being interviewed on The Breakfast Club. The Breakfast Club is a secular radio station where they interview all the other artists. And he was one of the people that came on the, this, this Breakfast Club, and they were asking him about, about gays, and they are asking him about all these things. And he said, no, the church did it wrong. We have gone at this thing wrong. We've, we've pointed our fingers at people when we shouldn't have. Wow. Well, see, now, wait, wait, because, see, I would... If I were talking to that person, I'd say me and you, and, he, and I was talking to him, he would have to be more – see, this is what I mean by I ask questions, because I have no idea what that means. You're saying that the church pointed fingers. Define what you mean, pointed fingers. Are you saying that the church quoted scriptures that said being gay is wrong? No, no. If I was there, that would be the same thing. However, the people that are interviewing him as a Christian – are not followers of Christ. They don't read the Bible. So they're looking for those nice words. They're looking for this eloquence, these great swelling words with no power behind it. So when they ask these guys these questions, these are the answers that they're getting. And say, no, no, no. Just the same when they asked some of the black leaders that now that same-sex marriages are passed, what, what are you going to do? Some of them said, you know, hey, He's the president. He got to do what he got to do. 
You know, if they come to me, I'll, I'll do what I got to do. But no one yeah. is saying, wait a minute, stop. That's not right. The Bible says this. I am following God's word. This is what it said. And I think there were a couple of pastors that said that. They said, no, we're not, we're not following what the president is saying. We are going to adhere to the word of God. See, this is what it, most of these politicians or political types are afraid of this new media that will vilify them, crucify them, and they may end up losing their career. And you know what I say if I was a politician? I guess that's. I guess I'll be out of a job because I'm not conforming. Yeah, they see the whole thing around the world for, for this whole globalist, multicultural, new world to come. You got to preach the gospel of inclusion. That's what's going on there. Everyone wants to be inclusive. Be whatever you want. Do whatever you want. It's all good. Just don't preach the gospel. Right, and don't hate if you say you're against something. You are being a bigot. Right. Not being a bigot. Wait, 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 wait. And, and this, <laughs> you know, these are the things that people don't differentiate. You know, there's, uh, yeah, and, you know, I got to say this. Hey, so here's what you're saying. I am not hating you if you are homosexual. I'm not. I'm telling you what the word of God says, and I'm standing on that word. Listen, sin is sin. You know what? The Bible calls that. That's an abomination. Okay, so sexual sin is wrong. Whether it is homosexual, heterosexual, it's wrong. And you cannot equate, and this is what they have done with um, the so-called black leaders. Um, This is what they have done. They have equated personal sexual preference with being treated or mistreated like blacks were in the 40s, 50s. Mm-hmm. It's wrong. They're two totally different things. And no one is looking at it and calling it what it is. And I agree with you. But I will say that I have changed my methodology when I approach this question with people now. And I, once again, like I said, I do questions. But is God life? Does God represent life? And most folks will say yes. God, when he put man and woman, the number one commandment was to be fruitful and multiply. Can't deny that. The only way you can be fruitful and multiply is for there to be a man and for there to be a woman. A man and a man cannot reproduce, therefore they are an anti-life equation. Can't be of God. A woman and a woman cannot reproduce. That must be an anti-life equation. They cannot be of God. In fact, it's like slapping God in the face and calling him a liar. Yeah. And here's, here's to go back to, you know, I agree with that. And what Rory was saying about, you know, when they call you a bigot. Here's the thing mm-hmm. about the word bigot, right? A bigot, as as far as the dictionary.com and Webster says, it's a noun, a person who is utterly intolerant of any differing creed, belief, or opinion. So, you're standing up for biblical principles and, you know, telling what the Bible teaches and what your heart believes, but they're saying, don't say it. They're the one that are intolerant and a bigot. They are not us. We're but, trying to, but you are aware that, that words change in meaning. Culture changes meanings of words. Exactly. <laughs> Tell me the word about it. Intolerant, and that's what's happening today. The, the word, the word intolerant now means 
you believe the word of God. That makes you automatically intolerant. If you don't believe that everything is true, that there's no such thing as absolutes, if you don't believe that everybody's religion is equally good, then you're intolerant. There you go. I saw an interview with some college students, and these students literally were saying that if a person says something that's offensive to them, that person should be punished by law. Wow. Because it's wrong. And if you say certain words or patches from the scriptures, you're offending somebody. Therefore, you should be punished. You're evil. Yep. And it was around, what, 2003, 2002, I was doing a priest's sermon on the vilification laws in Australia. And I was warning people. Now, you guys don't think that we have that today, but I'm telling you, it's coming. And guess what? It's now 10 years later. Well, actually, 14 years later, and it's here. Mm -hmm. These young people are going to be the leaders. They're going to be the politicians. They're going to be the ones running the movie studios. It's, 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 it's gone beyond homosexuality. And now is how you think about mm-hmm. me. Yeah. Take the scales out of the school because it's a trigger. <laughs> Man, it, you know, online, they have these, these you know, people always talking online and, um, they say, oh, don't slut shame because it's not wrong if you, you choose to sleep with whoever you want to sleep with. So don't call me a slut or don't fat shame or this shame or that shame, you know. And it's like everything, you know, as the Bible says, has been turned upside down, bitter for sweet, sweet Absolutely. for bitter. And um, unto them that call good evil and evil good. Yeah. This is where and, we're living now. Yeah. But see here, you know, we are talking here and it's just realizing how fast things can change for believers. You see, the world, they've already been on this track. I was there. You were there. Pastor Kenny was there. We're on that track to destruction. The track for destruction is going down a hill into the lake of fire, you know, and how much more time it take for laws to be put in place. They're already doing it in Canada. People have talked about these things in different states. It could change rapidly. Absolutely. It will, because they're the the people that are getting the funding. Yeah. A statistic that I heard a few years ago, I can't say the numbers, but it was saying that more homosexuals are graduating from college than anyone else, and they're making the big money. And it's not that they're the big issue, but it comes with other things tied to it. You know what I mean? Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. I do know. (laughs) So this this is just uh, crazy how things are going, but you know this is just this is just letting us know that the coming of the Lord is soon. Whether it's five years, ten years, twenty years down the line, we don't know, but it's very soon. And I'm not talking it based on my residence in America, because you know a lot of Christians think you know because they're in America and things are going bad that you know whatever, right? But I'm basing mm-hmm. it on what the entire world is going through. Iran is closer yeah. now to nuclear armament. North you Korea shipping everybody. Yeah. And in fact, the funny thing about North Korea and South Korea that I heard today is, I don't want to get it wrong, but one of them are very anti-Christian. If you're a Christian, you're dead sentence automatically. So what's happening, they're having migration out of there into the other region of Korea. And what they're doing is equipping themselves and going back into the debt zone to witness. Mm. It's incredible. 
That's incredible, you know. Yeah. And then we have what's going on in some of the Muslim communities. They're turning the Christians in droves. <laughs> You're not going to hear about that on the news, though. Things that happen in China. And it, what we see is a move of the hand of God. While our society over here is deteriorating and is in a need for a really strong revival. Whether it come or not, I don't know. <laughs> but, again, the return of the Lord is, is close. And I agree. Now, I'm going to ask if brothers don't mind if I leave a little early. My wife is giving me all sorts of little signals. (laughs) (laughs) Well, my brother, it was great having you on the show. I enjoyed it immensely. I enjoyed it, too. This was a sure pleasure. I need to go respond to this note. Okay. All right. So great great having you, and I hope that we can do it again soon. Okay. Looking forward to it. All right. Good night. Thank you, my brother. Have a wonderful evening. The Lord bless you. You too. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Yes, so that was Pastor Brian Kinney. And, you know, people, they're just going to ask you to please respond to the good news of Jesus Christ. So many issues we could talk about, and we could spend hours and hours and hours just going down so many issues we have over the last two years. But if you don't respond to what God has done for us on the cross through his son, Jesus Christ, shed his blood for you, for me, for everyone in the world so that they can come to a redemptive status through Jesus Christ. There's a place called hell and it's real. Heaven is real. New Jerusalem that's going to come uh, that believers will be in is real. It's not fantasy. And no matter if you're left behind or end up in the tribulation or you die 30 seconds or 30 minutes from now, if you don't heed to the call, you will spend an eternity in damnation. Go ahead, Roy. Well, my brother, I just want to say, indeed, it was a good night just to be able to talk. And like you said, we are here to share God's word with you. We have had some powerful, even tonight, the testimony of what God has done. You have heard the different topics or the different subjects that we have discussed. Now, what you have heard, you need to seek him for yourself. Don't li- even listen to what we are saying. Open your Bible and ask the Lord. Say, Lord God, show me if you're real. God will reveal himself to you in a mighty way. And you'll see that what he's able to do. You will see what the Lord God can do to your life. He will redeem your life from destruction and crown you with his loving kindness and tender mercies. And I'm just excited for what God is. God has in store for you. I'm truly excited. Amen. So that's it for our show tonight, everyone. We just want to thank you for checking us out. Remember to go to our YouTube, subscribe, like, share, get the word out, and just stay vigilant. Keep reading your Bibles and prepare yourself for this time, spiritually. Amen. So I'd just like to say good night. Good night, everyone. Have a blessed night. The Lord be with you. Amen. Planning a spring break getaway? Well, with the Capital One Venture Card, you earn unlimited double miles on any purchase you make today and every day. And those miles add up to get you closer to that trip to paradise. Every vanilla soy latte, double miles. Every time you pump gas, double miles. Even when you buy a set of monogram beach towels, yep, double miles. You earn unlimited double miles on every purchase, and then you go. The Capital One Venture Card, the card that takes you there. What's in your wallet? Capital One Bank USA NA.
And now, an ad from Dad. <clears throat> All right, save money on car insurance when you bundle home and auto with Progressive. Can I take these off? All right. What is this? This looks good. Wow. That's well made. Where did you get this? I'm talking to you with the hair. Yeah, where did you get this? It's good stuff. That's solid. That's not veneer. That's solid stuff. Progressive can't save you from becoming your parents, but we can save you money when you bundle home and auto. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company affiliates and other insurers. Discounts not available in all states or situations.